Today we celebrate the second Sunday of the Coptic month of Boan, and we read today about the gospel of the story of the paralytic man um, who was carried into the presence of Christ by his four friends. And today, God willing, we want to look at the impact of his friends on his life and how they struggled to bring him into the presence of Christ. It's a wonderful story of sacrifice, of loving one's neighbor, of selflessly seeking the benefit of another at the, at the what is best for another instead of what is best for myself. The love of neighbor is a central focus in our spiritual life. It is an importance and it's a responsibility. Christ himself tells us that it is one of the two greatest commandments. The first one being to love the Lord our God with all our soul, with all our heart, and with all our mind. And the second one is to love our neighbor as ourself. St. Anthony the Great, he tells us that the love of our neighbor, the benefit of our neighbor, that is for our salvation as well as their salvation. He says, our love and our death is with our neighbor. If we gain our brother, we have gained God. But if we scandalize our brother, we have sinned against Christ. So the importance of loving our neighbor rises above simply doing good things. It is for our own salvation. It seems often that today in our world, the, these are the two commandments that are under attack the most. Of course, we understand that God himself is under attack from our, from our culture. But the second idea of loving our neighbor has been attacked in a slightly different way. Um, we've the, the definition of love has been contorted. It has been changed. It has been kind of simply reduced into simply loving as an acceptance of what someone else would like to do for their, for their benefit, for their temporal joy, for their tempor temporal happiness. Nobody is available to bring people to, into the presence of Lord with this type of definition of love. Our, the people around us maybe are not suffering from a physical paralysis. Even maybe many of us in the church are not suffering from a physical paralysis, but we are suffering from a spiritual paralysis. And we need others, and we need to bring others into the church to cure this paralysis, to bring them into the presence of Christ so that they may be healed, that they may find the forgiveness of our sins. And this idea of spiritual paralysis, it is essentially that we are, our soul is paralyzed by the lusts of our body, the lusts of our flesh. Our soul cannot impact us it cannot be united with the spirit because we are driven purely by our body and by our desires. So the love of neighbor in the Christian context inevitably brings us back to the salvation and the bringing people to Christ so that they may be saved. To love them is to build the kingdom of God by sacrificing ourselves, sacrificing our own desires for the benefit of others. This is what makes the story of the paralytic so contrary and so beautiful. These four men did something for their friend that had no benefit to them. It was simply that they wanted him to be healed. And we must have this same um, thought. So today we want to kind of focus on a few characteristics of these friends, these four friends who are bringing their friend into the presence of Christ. And we want to talk about five different characteristics that these friends have about that helps us bring others to salvation. The first aspect of, that these friends had was that they labored. They labored. It says in verse 18, Then behold, men brought on a bed man who was a man who was paralyzed. A very simple sentence. We've read this story many times. But this is, a, this is a physical effort that they did to bring the man to Christ. And all of us as well, we must physically pursue other people. It's not simply just praying. Praying is a labor, of course. But also we must physically pursue people and bring them to the bring them to the church. In the same way, um, the labor of these men were not easy. Of course, they had to carry the man, put him on the bed. They had to carry him through the crowds. They had to bring him up onto the roof, and then he had to open up the roof and descend him down into the presence of Christ. It was a lot of work. They physically sacrificed, 
and the same way we can reflect on our own lives. Are there opportunities to bring people to the church who maybe do not have a ride? Maybe it's 10 minutes out of our way, maybe it's 15 minutes our way, maybe it's 20 minutes out of our way, but if they need a ride to church, can we be that person who physically brings that person to Christ, to bring that person to the church? Maybe I want to invite someone who doesn't know anything about our orthodoxy, about the church, and I want to invite them to a Bible study. Do I simply invite them and say, I'll see you there, or do I say, I will pick you up at 7 o'clock or 6.30 and bring you to the church, physically bring people? There's other ways, of course, too, to labor for people. If someone is sick, you know, it's a very heavy cross. Can we go visit them? Even if they cannot come to the church, can I be present with them? Can I bring Christ into, the Christ into their presence and be there for them? Even if it takes an hour or two hours out of my day, can I labor for that person? Our Lord tells us in Matthew 10:42, And whoever gives one of these little ones only a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple, assuredly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. It's a very simple labor. It's the most simple thing we can do is to bring a cup of cold water. I mean, often I, I pass by maybe someone who's homeless and I'm in my car and I'm like debating the light's about to turn green or is it red or should I hurry up or should I stop? And I could simply have a cold cup of a bottle in my car ready to give them some water, right? Just something simple. Christ says that you will not lose your reward even by doing something. This is a slight inconvenience for us, a slight labor. So the first aspect is, of course, physical labor. And one other thing just on the side of labor is that we live kind of in a world of social media activism, right? Where I, I, I find something big happening in the world and I feel convicted. And my conviction leads me to put a post on social media and I feel like my work is done, I feel satisfied, right? But this is kind of not a, this is maybe one step, but we can also go and do something else and to labor using our physical um, effort. The second aspect um, that these men showed is they showed a desire for the man's healing. It was their will. They willed for the man to be in the presence of Christ. It says again in the second half of verse 18, whom they sought to bring in and lay before him. The men sought to bring the man in and lay him before Christ. It's kind of interesting how the scripture does not emphasize anything about the paralytic's desire. It's about their desire as friends. And this desire is something also that we should have. We should seek this. We should seek the healing of our neighbor. Whether they're in the church or they're not in the church, this should be a desire. This should be something that I pursue to bring them for spiritual healing, to the physician, the one who can forgive their sins, the one who loves them and desires them also to be with us here in the church. We see such desire in Moses during the days of the Exodus and the people had committed a great sin. They had made a golden calf, and they were worshiping that calf when Moses was delayed, right? And, and God, it says, was angry, and he says he wanted to wipe out the people and start new for Moses, right? Bring, bring up a new people for Moses. And what did Moses say to God? He said, if you will not forgive their sin, then blot me out of your book, which you have written. Blot me out of your book. So he was willing to give up his own salvation for the love of his people. We see the same thing with St. Paul. St. Paul also tells us in Romans that he also, if the Jews would come to Christ, that he would be willing to forsake his own salvation. And this is the epitome of love, I think, that you would be willing to give up your own salvation to desire others to be saved. So this is the great show of love that these men, they sought healing for their friend. And while again, I speak of the, we speak of a physical paralysis, something that was obvious. Our friends inside the church, our friends outside the church, our friends all over the world are also suffering from paralysis. All of us to some level are suffering from a paralysis, right? So we want also everyone to come and, and seek healing for the paralysis that they suffer. 
when I labor, when I desire for the salvation of others, we can then say with St. Paul, it is no longer I, but Christ who lives in me. Because this is what Christ exactly did. He labored and desired that all shall be saved. The third aspect of these um, wonderful servants of this man and friends, they persisted and they persevered. In verse 19 it says, when they could not find out how they might bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the housetop and let him down with his bed, through the tiling into the midst before Jesus. So these men did not let any obstacles get in their way. Their love for their friend was manifested in perseverance. Their desire for his healing was manifested in their perseverance. The key to all their actions was their, was their willingness to inconvenience themselves, to put themselves out. It's, we see the same thing, of course, in the, in the Good Samaritan, of course, who, who fulfilled all these kind of same things. He labored and he persisted. And the Good Samaritan, even more so, was very inconvenienced. He was taking care of someone who would be considered his enemy in the time. But yet he stopped and he healed and he, and he took care of the man's wounds. He put him on his own animal and he brought him into inn and even gave money. So he sacrificed labor, time, money for someone else. And I think, at least for me, I think sometimes when the obstacles appear, we can make many excuses. Um, we can say, you know, when, we, when we approach a problem, and it doesn't seem like there's any way to work, work it out, we can always throw our hands up in there and say, this is God's will. God does not want this for us. But sometimes we maybe use that as an excuse. Is it truly God's will, or is it simply that I, I'm struggling, and I don't want to persist, and I don't want to persevere? Things can obviously become hard. When there's a cross in my life, and the cross seems heavy, and I feel the weight of the cross, and that can be a struggle. And there's many around us, too, if we are serving someone who is maybe going through a difficult time, a very difficult cross, right? And when I'm in their presence, I feel the heaviness of their cross. I feel it because they are struggling, and I can feel that as their friend. And maybe there's some, they complain, and maybe there's, there's issues, and maybe I can, I can choose simply to reduce the amount of time I'm exposed to them, or I can continue to, to carry their cross with them like Simon did for our Lord and Savior. St. Paul, of course, was the one who lived all these. St. Paul was the, was the epitome of service. St. Paul was someone who persevered regardless. He made many of his letters to the Corinthians, to other people who were going up and down in their spiritual life. And St. Paul was always persisting, always laboring, always desired that people would come to Christ. He would visit and he would revisit. He would write letters. He would exhort, it says today in the scripture, and he would continue to pursue people no matter what they did, no matter what they did, and also we can do that as well. Sometimes there's another option if people, someone hasn't been to the church in a very long time, right, and we call them, and maybe we call them again, and maybe we try a few times, and then maybe we stop and we say, well, it doesn't seem like it's working out. Right? This, is a very s this is, a is an obstacle, right? but this does not necessarily mean this is the end of the story. We must persist and pursue through these obstacles and help people return to the presence of Christ as these men did. And when we speak also of perseverance, we have to speak of patience. With, uh, as humanity, as, as in this times of, of days of like wanting things right away, patience is a very difficult thing. But perseverance has to have patience. God's timing is never rushed. You can see it in your own spiritual life. You can see it in the spiritual life of others. God's timing is never rushed. He's always very diligent and deliberate in how he does things. Our job is simply to work. Our job is simply to desire. Our job is simply to persist after our neighbors. God is the one who does the growth. It says in the scripture that we plant, we water, and God gives the growth. Okay, the growth sometimes takes time, but we must persist in planting and watering and just leave the growth to God, right? Persist in our labor and have patience. 
The fourth aspect is faith. These men show great faith. And it says of Christ, another amazing part of the scripture, it says, when he saw their faith, he said to them, he said to him, the paralytic, man, your sins are forgiven you. So when he saw their faith, he said to him, man, your sins are forgiven you. We see the same story actually multiple times in the scripture, the centurion who wanted to, his beloved worker to be healed. And he told Christ, don't even come to my house. I know you. I know you have the power to simply say the word. And Christ was amazed by his faith. And he healed the man. The man who was sick did not even meet Christ. But Christ, based on the faith and love of the centurion, healed the worker. I know this is something maybe I struggle with and, and maybe we, we struggle together with is this idea of faith and the di- idea maybe the world seems like it's so bad and, and it's everyone's so bad and things are uh, so terrible and we feel like Elijah that there's nobody left. It's just us. But God tells Elijah, there's 10,000 I have kept for you. How do we know what the state of people are around us? We do not, right? We simply plant and water and God is the one who knows the heart. We do not know the heart. So we have to have faith. God tells us that he wants all to be saved and come. He says, desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. There's a Russian priest. His name was Father Arseny. I'm not sure if you read his book. It's a very good book. And he was uh, a prisoner in a concentration camp for many years during the Russian, the time of the communists. And he suffered um, very, very much abuse. And at one point, he was at very close to, the, to death. He had, he had had some disease and he was at very close to death. And in that moment of his death, he was given this grace where he, he came up out of his body and he was floating over the concentration, or the, the concentration camp, the prison camp. And God gave him the grace to see in the hearts of all the people in the camp. And he thought the people he would never have thought have had anything in their heart. You could see a flicker of light inside their heart. And the people, maybe he thought there was something, he saw a burning lamp. Right? Many of these people had a burning lamp that they were just covered up. So even this man who was a holy man did not know. He judged from the outside, and he did not know. Only Christ knows who is ready to receive him. Again, our job is simply to labor, desire, and persist, and not be the judge. We simply have faith that God will and can heal all people. We must do our part and be his fellow workers. And finally, the last thing I want to talk about is self-denial. There's no verse here, but the self-denial of these men is evident. Everything they did was for their friend. It was nothing they gained from it. They they gained the joy of their friend. So whether it is to give someone simply a cup of cold water, whether it is to die for another and everything in between, that is what we need to pursue. Self-denial in humility. This is the key characteristic of love. Self-denial makes me like Christ. It is said of Christ that he emptied himself and came down from heaven. He made himself of no reputation to save us. And he did, and he saved us when we were still sinners, and we continue to sin, and he continues to pursue us, he emptied himself fully for the salvation of us. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for a friend in Matthew 15, 13. We see this in Paul, and we see this in Moses. And when we speak of laying down our lives, it does not simply mean we have to die for someone else. It means we simply have to put aside our desires, put aside our will, for others, for the love of them. That is what it means to die to ourself. Put aside things like the Good Samaritan did, it would have been much easier for him to just go where he was going. But he put aside his desire and his will for the love of his neighbor. That is what it means to, to die for himself. To reach such levels of love, we must never forget the first command. We talked about the two greatest commandments. The first commandment is to love the Lord our God with all our mind, with all our heart, and with all our soul. We cannot do anything without God. We must have God in our lives, in our spiritual life. If I pursue my neighbor 
without being fa- without being supported by God, then it's bound to fail. We must love God. It says in Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So we must spend time with God because when we spend time with God, we experience his love. We experience his mercy. And the only obvious reaction to that, the only possible result of that is I desire to share his love and his mercy with other people. So we have to spend time with him so his light is reflected through us to other people. So let us labor for the salvation of others, desire the salvation of others, persist for the salvation of others, and have faith that God can save all and deny ourselves by this way we gain salvation for our neighbors and for ourselves. After Cain killed Abel, the final thing I'll say is God asked Cain after he had killed Abel, he asked Cain, where is your brother? And Cain answered God, am I my brother's keeper? And of course our answer is yes, we are our brother's keeper. Our salvation and of course the salvation of our neighbor is dependent on it and glory be to God forever. Amen.